Did you know that every major diaper company either financially or vocally supports abortion? If that appalls you and you're looking to support a baby brand that aligns with your pro-life, pro-family views, then every life is your solution. Every life firmly believes that regardless of where someone is from, what they look like, or whether they were planned or unplanned, every baby is a miracle from God worthy of love, protection, and celebration. Every Life offers high-performing, supremely soft, premium diapers and wipes delivered right to your doorstep. Their diapers are crafted without fragrances, dyes, lotions, latex, parabens, or phthalates. And you can feel good knowing that every purchase with Every Life contributes to changing lives through their support of pro-life organizations and pregnancy resource centers. Every Life is not just changing diapers, they're changing lives. Visit everylife.com to learn more. That's everylife.com. And don't forget to use promo code Duffy10 for an exclusive 10% discount on your first order today. Hey, everyone. Welcome to From the Kitchen Table. I'm Sean Duffy, along with my co-host for the podcast, my partner in life, and my wife, Rachel Campos Duffy. Well, today we have a special guest, our daughter, Evita Duffy, and we're going to go through like four different hot topics. A lot of them, some of them you've been hearing about in the news. Some of them have not been so much in the news because the news has been crazy, um, crazy absolutely like. crazy and devastating and sad. This first topic, first of all, welcome, Evita. We're so glad to have you here. And thanks for having me. This first topic is something that I was especially looking forward to discussing with you because um, you have a lot of thoughts on it. As somebody who recently graduated from school, um, we saw protests going on at many of our name brand, most elite universities, uh, you know, pro-Palestine, um, you know, some of them not even calling out Hamas um, and the atrocities and sort of, you know, in involving themselves in this debate. And meanwhile, other companies, namely some Wall Street you know, heads of some big Wall Street companies that often employ these kids from elite colleges were saying, hey, we want to find out who those kids are because we don't want to hire them. Um, and we saw something like this, similar to this, back at Stanford University, where there were students who were protesting. Um, I believe he was a judge that came to speak at that university and shutting him down. And other judges um, and even Supreme Court justices saying, listen, these are not the kind of people that we want to um, to have, uh, you know, intern for us. And they want to know who those kids were, too. So this is sort of a new trend. You come off the college campus. What are your thoughts on, you know, the idea in general or maybe even specifically um, this situation of students um, protesting in favor of Palestine? Yeah, I, I so I have a I have a lot of thoughts on the the CEOs coming in and saying, you know, we're not going to give these kids internships or jobs because of what they did. Um, but I talked to you about this, mom, because my visceral reaction to that when the news broke was, well, that's exactly what corporate America does to conservative students. Well, throughout my entire time in college, I had a lot of conservative students who were really afraid to be in college Republican pictures, to have their name signed to Chicago Thinker articles because they were afraid that they'd get doxxed in the future. And so I'm hesitant to say, let's dox these students. Um, in terms of the, the actual statements, what really bothered me about them is they were just so oversimplified. They said that they were in support of the Palestinians, but they were unable to condemn Hamas, which is a terrorist organization whose actions are now unleashing utter hell on the Palestinians that these kids claim to support. Uh, and then they also use this anti-colonialist Marxist language to sort of oversimplify things and draw these false equivalencies between the Palestinians and then between black people during the BLM movement or indigenous people. Um, and this is really what they have been taught to do in, in their schools. They are, they're taught to ignore complexities and to view everything through the prism of Marxism. And so my 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 advice to all of these CEOs who want to actually make a change um, and do something about these kids is not dox the kids, but actually go after the schools who are 
causing them to come out with these really uh, insensitive and and not very intelligent statements. This They have to tell the schools with the power of the purse, we're not going to be donating any more money, giving more blank checks um, or blindly giving checks to these universities um, until you guys stop hiring exclusively Marxist professors and until you guys get rid of these fake fields of study like CRT, which is where all of this is stemming from. You know, I look at this and um, there's a lot of blame and attention on the, the, the students who are uh, to your point, uh, Rachel, they're they're not just pro-Palestine, but they're actually kind of pro-Hamas because they won't condemn Hamas, and they're using the Hamas attacks on Israel um, to then step forward and go, but we really support uh, Palestine. So I, they're, they get really convoluted very quickly. But this is not just the kids, to your point, Evita. This is the professors. This is the administrators. These are all the alumni that donate to these schools. It's, we shouldn't be shocked that you have a radical leftist campus. Um, you, we all on this podcast know that. If you're a donor to, to Harvard, you should know the kind of students and the kind of ideology that's taught at, at Harvard and what kind of young warped minds coming out of the school. And if you give to that, that's your fault. I'm sorry. And I think the way you stop it, to your point of view, is you do hold back some of that money. I, I want to talk just briefly about. Let's say it's like yeah. oppressor. It's you're you're so right. They they oversimplify it. Everything is oppressor and oppressed. And I don't know a more complex, historically, yeah. politically, geopolitically, situation than Israel versus Palestine. I mean, there is uh, you know Muslim versus Jew. I mean, this area is is so hard that even people who are experts in it, you know, find themselves, um, you know confused about what should happen next. So, I mean, this is so complex that to look through it with this oppressor versus oppressed um, uh, mindset, this Marxist mindset is just, it, it's just dumb. And yeah, these these Wall Street guys that go, um, they, they love making these, don't, you know, they're rich. They love making these, these uh, you know, contributions and getting buildings named after them and events named after them. And then they're surprised. You give money to Marxists and you wonder why, and you're, you're shocked that they turned out more little Marxists. I mean, it's like crazy. So true. I, th- I think the, the, in, in our family, we've had this debate. So um, if, if you've come out and said, I can't condemn Hamas and Hamas, the Hamas terrorist attacks against Israel, that's really Israel's fault. I find that abhorrent, um, disgusting, right? I, I, there, there's nothing in my fiber that agrees with that statement, right? So the next step is, should they be canceled? Should they not be allowed to get a job after their tenure and their graduation at one of these universities because of the things that they said? And in my heart, my knee-jerk reaction is, of course, none of these little commies should ever get jobs. They're <laughs> warped little minds, right? That's my knee-jerk reaction. But to your point, Evita, then I think and I go, you know, the way I feel about these statements of, from these students in favor of Hamas, anti-Jewish, anti-Israel statements, I'm also like, you know what, I, I have to imagine there's a lot of people that work in corporate America that feel that exact same way for someone who is a Donald Trump supporter. Yeah. I never want that Donald Trump supporter or that Republican because they're fascist and they're racist and they're like all the names. They're deplorables. They'll throw those names at you. And I have to imagine they feel the same way. And to, to, to your point, when people look at these things really deeply, they get confused. I mean, after I started to think like that, I started to become very confused about what I actually <laughs> think myself because the left does employ that tactic against Republicans. Though I think it's justified here, I get really concerned about, you know, taking away opportunities from young people if it doesn't have anything to do with the job that they're doing. Right. And like, and I'm also, confused. Avita, you're, you're 24 <laughs> years old. I mean, the ideas that I think about what I believed you know, when I was 19, I would hate to be held professionally liable for everything I thought, um, you know, when I was 19. Heck, I've changed my point of view since the Iraq war. I'm now very Cindy Sheehan. I want to join Code, Code Pink these days um, because oh, I'm so anti-war. I do. I'm, I'm, I've just become a different person. I think, again, holding 19-year-olds accountable professionally for the rest of their lives or, or stymieing their ability to launch um, post-college, you know, I, I am, I, that does make me um, uncomfortable. So I, I think that in the wake of any sort of tragedy where, where 
where emotions are high, yes. um, where where there was real devastation. We we need to be looking at this with with nuance, with an eye at history, um, with un, with calming down and really then addressing the problem, right? And and I understand why people are so upset. I mean, this oh, was wow. a horrific attack Brutal. on the Israelis. Horrific. What do we understand now? Evil, um, evil, what evil, th- evil, the definition of evil. What I think that these student statements really shows is that they're not thinking about it critically, that they made this really rash. I mean, the day of the attack, these statements came out the day of. They're not really thinking about any of this. They don't have an eye toward history or or an eye toward context, which they claim to. Um, this was a this was a very these were very rash statements based off of a a godless Marxist ideology that they learned from school. So it's really difficult for me to say let's blame the kids that were indoctrinated and punish them for the rest of their lives. To be honest, I I think that they are victims of a failed system. The university system in America has failed hundreds of thousands of students and they're destroying our country for generations to come. The our we should be aiming our fire at the universities. And 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 to that same point, there's been a lot of calls to say let's let's have the universities come out with statements to condemn the students. And to that I say the reason they're making these statements yeah. is because of the university. Why, why are yeah. the universities going to make statements condemning them? Um, and that would, to me, that would be a real betrayal on the part of the universities because it's their fault that these students are now under fire. The students are just yeah. regurgitating what they've been taught. So to the universities, I say, keep politics out of the administration. Yeah. Administration should be shrunk down by 98% so they don't have anybody bored enough to be making comments about yeah. random student organizations' political statements. And more than that, we should be getting rid of inherently partisan fake fields of study and promoting diversity of thought by hiring professors who have diversity of thought. This is what's going to fix this problem, not going after a bunch of brainwashed 19-year-olds. I remember during BLM, there were tons of statements that were political that were coming out of University of Chicago. And I remember you sending them to me going, why are they getting involved in this? Why are they doing this? and it had a major chilling effect on 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 free speech on on campus. I think a lot of people saw the statements that came from not just the the provost and and the president and the vice president of the university and then all the department heads. We we saw all that and we said, "Wow, we can't say anything about BLM that deviates from this leftist orthodoxy otherwise we're going to be called racist." That is not an environment for college. College is a place where you should be able to say and think whatever you want and explore all these ideas, what what it's coming. And the reason why all these statements are so uniform, that's another interesting thing. If you look yes. at Harvard's, if you look at Yale's, if you if you all of that, even if you look at UW-Madison, the smaller schools, they are all the same and the language is the same and, this, and, and the, the thesis is the same. And that's because everything that they're learning is uniform and the same. It's one ideology being pushed on them in every single one of their classes. And then we're shocked when they come out and regurgitate that same ideology. Yes. It's just you know, crazy. What's interesting, we want to punish them for it. What's interesting <laughs> is that the professors and the administrators of the universities, they're savvy enough to know that we probably shouldn't you know, make a statement about what we really think about Palestine versus Israel. We, we're not going to say what we think about the Hamas tax on the Jews because they know the, the, the political response they're going to get from the American citizenry. And from their donors. But the students, they're not savvy enough. So they, they actually say what they've been taught, yeah. which all the professors and, and the administrators agree with. And all of a sudden it blows up. And again, to your point of view, I do think you're right. This is not about the kids. This is about the universities themselves and the rot, the cancer that is growing in the American university system. Um, this is a national security threat. And we should all wake up and realize that if we don't address it, we are well on the, on, on the path to, to Marxism. One point that you uh, made, Rachel, I think, was the idea that these kids have been, and maybe you did too, they've been indoctrinated. Um, and we can't hold them, you know, maybe a little bit to account. It's not their fault. But the problem with indoctrination is, the beauty of indoctrination is, they're probably not going to change their views. They've been indoctrinated now, and to the point of death, they're going to remain indoctrinated. I don't know. I, Hillary Clinton just said we need to reprogram conservatives. Maybe we can reprogram them. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I it's think too, it's but, unlikely. You, you know, a lot of people, you know, come out of college very liberal. Um, I know this is a deeper ideological thing, but 
you know, who knows, maybe they wake up one day and, and, and see, you know, what, what's happened, but you're right. It's, it's not that likely. This is not the 80s and 90s, and the indoctrination is much deeper. Professionalized your mother's Marxism. This is not your mother's father's college campus. Go ahead, Evita. No, I was going to say an interesting development was that there was a lot of kids who were supposedly part of these organizations because with Harvard, in Harvard's case, there were 30 organizations that signed onto one statement. So the kids, many of the kids, claimed, "Oh, I didn't approve this." My the group approved this letter and I wasn't there and don't dox me. So they still really care about these internships and these jobs. And now they're backtracking. And I think there were a lot of kids who probably did sign their name onto it and did approve of it. And now they're saying, oh, no, I don't I, I disavow that because now they're seeing that there's consequences. I, so to that point, I. Oh, go ahead. I, I wonder if they're if they are rethinking the doxing of conservatives for that reason. I doubt it. All right. On that positive note. <laughs> All right. I, I think you're right, honey. I think you're right. We'll have more of this conversation after this. Since the 1970s, working class Americans and U.S. investors who saved wealth in dollars have seen the dollar lose over 80 percent of its purchasing power. In contrast, investors who diversified their cash into gold saw gold appreciate over 5000 percent. For Americans who invested $50,000 in gold when America left the gold standard in the 70s, their gold is worth more than $2.5 million today. While gold carries no guarantees and past performance does not equal future results, investors who do their own research will see that gold's performance over this time span is what gold has consistently done in the face of eroding paper currencies. For over 15 years, St. Joseph Partners has built its business with a singular focus on helping investors diversify their wealth and protect their families in physical gold and silver you hold in your hand. Don't let your hard-earned savings go unhedged. Call St. Joseph Partners or go to our joint website, kitchengold.net, not .com. That is kitchengold.net and protect your wealth. All right, let's move on to this other subject because this one has me. So, so everything I know about OnlyFans, I know from the Daily Mail, okay? Like every single week, there's another, you know, two or three stories about OnlyFans. And I have become increasingly every single week more alarmed by what its impact is. So for those who don't know, there's like pornography, right? Like people, you know, pay a subscription or whatever on the web to, on the internet to, to look at pornography. And then there's OnlyFans, which is sort of like homemade um, porn. A lot of it's soft porn. Or some, nudity. Or nudity or sexy pictures, but some of it also, there's also, you know, a, a, a porn and sex work angle to it. But it's presented in, uh, it, 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 what seems to be most appealing are when celebrities um, join OnlyFans because people kind of know them and now they get to see them in a different way, or sort of the, the mom next door is a big thing going on right now. And so a lot of single moms, uh, maybe who are facing financial problems. And I think the uptick in only mom, only fan mom with the, the decline of our economy is, I, I bet you could probably see a, 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 a correlation between that. I think yeah. there's an uptick and our economy is definitely down. And these women are resorting to a cheap, a cheap and very degrading way to um, add additional income and some, in some cases quit their job altogether and just do this while Listen, the kids are in school. making a lot of money. This is, has yeah, so they basically cut out for the, a lot of yes, people they, who get an OnlyFans and are willing to exploit their bodies and, and make real cash. And, and they, the way they make the money, Sean, is they cut out the middleman. So yeah, there's the OnlyFans site that's getting a cut of what these ladies are doing, but there's also like, they don't have to, you know, you don't have to have a big production company or, you know, a director or a writer. I mean, now you're producing your own content in your bedroom while the kids are at school. Um, it's part of this mom's behaving badly thing that I've been talking about a bit on the show. We did a, a, an episode not long ago um, on that. The woman who was running for Virginia House Senate, I'm sorry, Virginia House um, delegates. Uh, delegates. And uh, she was doing fans. both of them. It wasn't, they weren't on OnlyFans. They were on a different, similar site. But there's other sites, but OnlyFans is the most popular. Okay, so let me move to this new story because um, Denise Richards, who is 52 years old, uh, you know, she's a famous actress. She was married to Charlie Sheen. That's probably what she's most famous for. 
Um, but she was, you know, started off in the bold and the beautiful, and mm. she is very beautiful. She was in Elvis, has left the room. She had a small part in Love Actually. Um, but she's most famous for the f- film The Wild Things, which, you know, came out, I think, in the 90s. And she had that famous on-camera kiss in the swimming pool with Nev Campbell. Um, so she's kind of, she, she's, she's done some pretty racy roles herself. Her and Charlie Sheen have a daughter named Sammy. And Sammy's only 19 years old. And um, she's had some, you know, she was kind of a little bit of a troubled teen. As you can imagine, being Charlie Sheen's daughter can't be very easy. Um, and uh, he has his own problems, right? His own issues with prostitutes and all kinds of crazy stuff. And she came out and said, I'm going to become an only OnlyFans person. And immediately, Charlie Sheen, interestingly, was like, no. Like, the dad in him came out, and he was very much opposed to this. But then her mom, Denise, comes out and says, I think it's very brave of her, and I want to support her. And in an act of solidarity with her daughter, um, she actually joins OnlyFans herself, which, as I said, there's a very um, high value in OnlyFans for you know, celebrities, B-list actresses, etc. So she joined and then basically scolds her Charlie Sheen for opposing the daughter being in it, saying, hey, look, you have your own checkered past. I've been in some pretty racy films myself. What's the problem? And then Charlie Sheen comes back and says, okay, I, you know what? In fact, I'm going to read the statement. I've rethought this. I've rethought this. I'm going to read you what he said. Exactly. He said, "Um, Denise the mom, has illuminated me um, on a variety of salient points that in my haste I overlooked and dismissed. Now more than ever, it's essential that Sammy have a united parental front to rely upon as she embarks on this new adventure. From this moment forward, she will have that support abundantly. Um, and so uh, that that's the situation. Well, now, since, since Denise has joined... The daughter and the mother collaborated on on something on OnlyFans. And now just this past week posted something, a picture of both of them looking very, very sexy and underneath saying, hey, you know, should we collab? Should me and Sammy collaborate more? Now, this is crossing a, a, a Rubicon. So I have my own problems with OnlyFans. I think it's disgusting. I think it's degrading. Um, I, 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 I think it's a terrible trend. But now we're talking about mother-daughter collaborations on OnlyFans. And my concern is not only that it's sick and twisted, but that the fact that it's on this particular platform, which has become so normalized, and it's scary how normalized it is, um, that now we're crossing a Rubicon. Thoughts? I know. I, I wanted to lay that all out for you guys. Vita first. Oh, me first. Well, I mean, I think it's really disturbing is the first thing. I think this is emblematic of everything that we as Christian conservatives are are fighting against, right? I, this is this is a, a serious degradation of the family that you have a mother and daughter collaborating on on their own, you know, degradation, public degradation, right? That they're going to publicly do something this, this sort of, uh, which in a, in a, in a, in a better world world would be considered really shameful and that they're going to actually shame the father of the family who wanted to protect them from this and protect, um, you know, his, his wife and his daughter. I, I just think it is bizarre, his ex-wife, but it is bizarre and it is, it is abnormal. And, I, I think it's it's really a sign of societal decline. Well, so here's a couple thoughts. So first off, um, there's to your point, Rachel. There's a, a number of women who join OnlyFans because um, they're in some very trying, difficult times. And I'm not excusing it, but I'm saying that's a reality. And that's one scenario where someone's like, I can't, I can't pay my mortgage. I can't feed my kids, and so I'm going to do this degrading thing, and I'm going I'm to make money for it. But but Denise Richards and Charlie Sheen, as two parents of Sammy Sheen, I can't imagine they're financially strapped. They're making a choice to say, you know what, we have enough money, uh, but maybe our careers, Sammy's, Sammy's maybe not very talented in, as an actress well, or a and that's what And that's what people were so attacking her by so saying. That's, you, you can't make money, mm-hmm. you know, kind of in a, a purer fashion. Yes, that's what people and were saying And Denise online. is a thing of the past. And so how do we come, become more relevant? Well... 
we can take our clothes off and we can get news stories and have podcasts talk about it and we can become far more relevant by being far more salacious. And now, to be clear, I, I believe that the two of them have said they are not taking all of their clothes off. It'll be very suggestive, but they're... Well, I wouldn't say that. She from, says... Um, she I says, think Sam has indicated that she will potentially yes. reveal it all in the future when she feels more comfortable. She's um, getting a boob job, so she says, I'll feel more confident after I get the so boob job. Th- so but I think it's interesting, is if, again, we've talked about, about the, the internet and social media and the connectivity and some of the beautiful things that can happen with that connectivity, but there's a lot of problems that come Way from... Way more problems. The, the, the connections that we all have and the anonymity that we have or the false connection we feel to people when we get likes and um, subscriptions. There was a time that, you know, Playboy was a thing, and men... Uh, usually men would get a magazine once a month, you know, whether that was in the 60s, 70s or 80s. And if they were really salacious, they might get what Hustler or I don't know, one of the magazines are out there, but that was a more provocative mm-hmm. magazine. And it was, I mean, I don't know who would want to go into a grocery store and buy one of those magazines. Some, you know, dads might get a prescription, a subscription. Subscription, subscription to it. Well, now it's become so easy that in the comfort of your home, um, and on your on the internet, you don't have to go to a, you don't have to go to a grocery store and get the magazine. That was. Or you don't have to worry about the remember, mailman dropping it off in your yeah, mailbox. Yeah, was it was there was when you went to the grocery store, or they they were like in the plastic cover with a blacked out over you know blacked out mm-hmm. covering over the uh, nude part. This has become very troubling, and again, I think it goes back to connection. OnlyFans works. Because men are willing to pay money to feel this certain connection to certain women on OnlyFans and they can request certain things from them. By the way, I, uh, Vita, I suggested to mom we do some exploratory investigative research. She <laughs> said no, so I have not actually been on OnlyFans. I have neither. Every, like I said, everything I know is from Daily Mail. But I did suggest it. But, but, but no, but it's, it's a but really I, but, great but point you con- bring up, but though. But the connection that, that men are looking for is a sign of how lonely men actually are. They're yeah. not finding that connection, that relationship in their everyday lives. And so they feel like they can have it by giving a few dollars to, you know, the Sammy Richards or Denise Richards or the other thousands of women that are on there. That's where they're getting it from. And it, it's a state of human, it's an it's a, it's a, it's a indictment on the human connection in America that exists today or doesn't exist. And I think that's a, that's a real problem here. I think that that is an excellent point. I think you actually got to the heart of the issue um, very quickly. But I want to backtrack just a little bit. So you brought up Playboy. So the, because OnlyFans um, allows you or to perceive that you're having a connection with this person and they make money by pretending like they care about what you're, you, you are. In fact, some OnlyFans will say they're texting back and forth like, like a boyfriend-girlfriend style and people are paying for that. Um, Evita's yawning over here. <laughs> sorry, I'm sorry. I'm she so got tired. A, I was up at 2.30. She was up at 2.30 because she had to do a, a, a Fox Friends and Friends first, first hit. I, I know that feeling, Avita. I get it after Fox and Friends as right. well. Um, that Playboy has actually seen such a decrease in their business that now they're doing an only, they've launched an only fan style thing with their play, playmate so that the playmates are interacting in the same way as OnlyFans. So they're, you know, because that's been such a... Uh, uh, lucrative. Uh, exactly, yes. a lucrative thing. Um, here's, here's my problem with, with so much of this. And I want to get to the loneliness part. We're going to talk about loneliness in our next topic as well yeah. um, and mental health. But what bothers me about all of this, whether it's Playboy or OnlyFans, is the youth of female empowerment language to justify this. And I have seen um, OnlyFans, uh, uh, women, women on OnlyFans talk about it as, I, you know, I'm so in control and I can, uh, for the first time in my life, I can tell a man that's not appropriate. Don't, you know, text me that or don't, you know, interact with me in that way or whatever. This idea that somehow this is empowering. And then you have these conversations as well where, you have children whose moms are on OnlyFans and their friends find out. And you have the, uh, you know, children who are shamed by it. Some of them, um, you know, I've read articles of, of young kids who have committed suicide 
because they were their friends were teasing them because their mom is doing this. Uh, it's it's crazy, Evita. Yeah, it is, and I I think I really like Dad's point about men seeking some sort of validation or connection with women. There was a really interesting study that we've talked about where it was like more than half or or around half of men have never, um, like young men, have never approached a woman in person. Um, They've never just gone up and said hi to a woman. And I think that is enabled and fueled by the internet age. Yes. Uh, we, We have all of our connection is online and it's sort of you get the dopamine hits from from the likes and from the scrolling and you feel like that's all you need but in truth people are 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 wired toward human connection and so that's interpersonal but that's also you know relationship wise and so when you think that you can actually replace a real partner or a spouse or a boyfriend or girlfriend with something online um that that becomes that becomes very dangerous in my opinion not to go like super macro on you guys but i think that that is what what leads you to uh accept government in your life more and i this is i this is actually not a crazy stretch because um the the biden administration's us um i forget his title but he's something under health he's basically pushing the surgeon for, he's the surgeon uh, general isn't he the, the, yeah, i'm sorry he's the surgeon general Mm-hmm. Yes, I'm sorry. Yes. And so he's basically saying that to, to fix the loneliness crisis that we have in America, we need the government to come in and create these 15 minute communities. We need to to surveil social media to make sure that people aren't getting mean tweets or feeling left out. Um, it really becomes very dystopian where instead of relying on real people that we know in our lives, um, we're supplementing it for OnlyFans or even with government surveillance or, or forced government connections um, and, and things become very Orwellian. So I, I think this is a, a very serious, serious problem. And also the problem of just immediately not having people um meeting each other, marrying one another and having children. You can't sustain a population um, or, or, a, or a civilization like that. And that's why you're seeing in the East, a lot of pe- Muslim families are having a lot of babies. Uh, unfortunately, a lot of Christian or, or former Christian families aren't. And that's going to be a real problem, so too. A couple points. So it's, it's hard for men to walk up and approach a woman. That's, there's, a, there's a rare breed of men who Many of us men are friends with that can do that and they do it well. But were you most nervous? Men, were you nervous? Yes, when of you course were I was. I was not. So I, that's I, a natural. I, thing. I would rarely do that. And those are oh, there were occasions. You in got my more life confidence where I, after you were on the real world. Not even then. I'm like, yeah, women approached me then. That was easy. <laughs> I didn't have to. I, it was the reverse. But but now that we're in this age where men um, are now like hyper criticized, and you had all of this Me Too stuff and cancellation, it's like. It's already scary enough to approach a woman, but now, you know, whether it's at a coffee shop or in school or a lot of people would meet, would meet at work, those things are, have made yeah, men crawl fraught. into a hole yeah. because it's like, I don't want to be accused of any of this stuff. And it's way easier and safer to be on OnlyFans or some other website than it is to approach the girl who I think is hot, you know, who sits, you know, across the hall from me at work. Um, so that's part of the problem. But another thing, I want to go back to Diane Richards and Charlie Sheen. Your parents are there to protect you, to give you good advice. Yeah. And all of us kids, when we were kids, we make poor decisions. That's part of growing up. You make bad mm-hmm. decisions. Mm-hmm. And you want your parents to be the ones that go, listen, I've lived life, bad call, bad decision. You should go in this direction. And instead of having parents that will give Sammy good advice, mm-hmm. she has parents who are incentivizing, encouraging and buying into the idea that she should take her clothes off for money. That's the exact opposite of what a parent should be doing. It's facilitating and pushing bad behavior as opposed to encouraging um, her better angels In to make better time, choices, she's, better calls. So this is a parenting error. Fail, 100%. Fail. Thumbs down, too. Moms, a good mom does not post a sexy picture with her daughter with the caption, should my mini-me at Sammy Sheen and I do another collab? Um, that is a parenting fail for sure. But uh, the loneliness aspect that Evita was talking about, I 
think is only going to get worse with yeah. AI. Because um, now... Yeah, maybe it gets better. <laughs> perhaps. It may, it, may seem more, it may seem more real, but in the end, it's not a real girl. And, and to your point, you know, the, the sort of, you know, sexual politics in the office and, and sexual harassment, all that makes, makes men less likely to approach women. But so does spending so much of your life online and not That's having true. a social life, which we have talked about this all the time. The amount that you and I hounded our parents to go out is exponential to the amount our own kids and most kids hound to go out because they can literally stay home and feel like they're being social if they're on their phones. And I think that that is a, a totally new phenomena in, in youth culture. Um, you know, ever since people left. Because we were all trying to get out with their friends and go Oh my God, out. my whole and life was spent scheming ways to get out of the house to yeah. hang out with my friends. And, and that culture of, you remember Sean on 90210? Where did everyone go? To the peach pit. Yeah. They all went to the diet. There was like a place where everyone met. I bet at Hayward it was probably Dairy Queen. Or it was it, Hardee's. We went to Hardee's. Everyone went to Hardee's. Okay. The only place we had in town. Yeah. So the, and, and when I was in college, a lot of us would go to, um, what's the, uh, um, Perkins. Because Perkins was open 24 hours, you know? Uh, what do they call in Happy Days? What was the... Oh, God, I, and I loved Happy Days. Uh, she doesn't even, Avita doesn't know yeah, what we're talking about. Right. I can't remember. Um, but there were like back. hangouts that kids all got together. You never have fallen to Vita, so you couldn't, you couldn't actually go, hey, let's all meet at this place. You all actually had. You actually just went and hoped everyone showed yeah, up. Everyone goes there and like, whoever shows up is like in. And, a good time. And, and, and that goes back to what we talked about with like, you know, dating like the 80s and, and how phones have changed it. But I do think that um, there is a combination of loneliness, ep I mean, epidemic of loneliness for men and women, um, uh, social media influence, the, the degradation of the family, the degradation of morals, the degradation of our economy. And I think it's all, if you look at OnlyFans to me, it is like the, it is the phenomena that captures everything that's going wrong in America. Can, yeah. Can, I, go ahead, Vita. Oh, go ahead. No, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, I was, I was talking about another social media, a different social media trend, not not OnlyFans, um, with Federalist Culture editor Emily Jasinski, who we love, and I she love was basically she and I were both talking about the differences just between her generation and my generation. So Emily is is a full millennial. I am like an older Gen Zer, and she said we we used to use Facebook Messenger where we would all meet somewhere, right? We, we'd say, okay, we're all good. So instead of there being a hangout where you just hope everybody would show up, mm -hmm. you would actually coordinate it. And they use their phones to coordinate uh, events or meeting up. That was what social media was for, to, to facilitate real-world interactions. Now, that's not, that was not my experience. The real-world interactions were really digital, and there were hardly ever real meetups that were facilitated yeah. online. Um, and it got to the point where if you didn't, if you don't have a phone like in high school, which I didn't have a phone um, when I was, or at least I didn't have certain apps when I was in like eighth grade or freshman year, um, it was, it was hard to even be social because everything was online. So you've reached a point now where you, if you try to remove the digital world from your kid's life, but everybody else has it in their lives, that's their peers, um, they are really isolated. And you're in this weird conundrum where it's like, what do I do? I, the only answer is to say, well, I'm only gonna be friends with other parents whose kids also don't have phones, which is super difficult to find. So it's a real problem for parents. I don't know how they get around it. Other, I mean, if, if, you, if you take the phone away, they have no social life. If you give them the phone, then their life is gonna be in the, in the digital world. I do, the, the, the compromise on that is I do think, because we, we see this with our daughter, your sister, Paloma, um, we have a computer in the house and we'll find that she'll try to get on that and she'll, we'll, she'll go on there, we'll, like, she's always in there. Yeah. And um, we got to pull her out, but she doesn't go to bed with it. She doesn't wake up with it. And yeah, she'll go. So she gets so, around not, she does not have a phone. She doesn't have a phone. We just got her a phone, but okay, it is. It's called the Gab phone. She can text and she can call on it, but that's she it. She can't, there's no apps. There's nothing on and it. She's complained, but. She has complained, but she had definitely from not, she's, by the way, she's uh, 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 15 years old. So she just got that phone with no apps, but texting. She's she's actually yeah. really happy. She feels like, yeah, the gap phone. She actually feels good about it. Th this week she said uh, that she's going, 
this sounds very 80s. That's why I said yes to it, of course. She's going after school on Friday with all her friends to the mall, which sounds yes. very familiar to me. Um, that's certainly how, how we totally like to 80s. spend our Saturdays. Sure. Um, but yeah, she's going. She's going to the mall, but she has a phone. But she can't. She can't. And more, she can't and, do any apps. And, and again, we're talking about the '80s. We're talking about the problems, and the problems we have today. I think date back to a superstar of the '80s, Madonna, um, oh. who r- rushed, ushered in. We've talked debauchery about debauchery, and yeah, Madonna is. Uh, Madonna was very formative in, in my life. Rachel's life. Yeah. So there's a lot of negative about well, if Madonna. If you listen to our podcast, I think two of the songs of Rachel's favorite 80s song from Madonna songs. Of course. Of course they were. So there was a lot of negatives about Madonna. You didn't mention that you named me after Madonna. No, she is <laughs> named Evita. I'm <laughs> Argentina. Evita. Oh, Evita. That's, that's kind of true. The truth is that Sean's um, grandmother is Eva. And so we named you Eva. And but yeah, the fact that it was also Evita. <laughs> and Evita was a very popular movie not long after you were not being that long before you were born. So that worked out fairly it's well. It's from based on the musical Evita, of course. And, yes. and by the way, Madonna it was amazing in that movie. Well, uh, she's not amazing in a lot of her movies. She's not a great actress. Well, let's, talk, but, let's talk about Madonna today. Well, let's first talk a little bit about why I love Madonna. Madonna. Oh. Let's just, let's just right. break it down just for a second here. Right, okay? back, there's right. a lot of what? negatives about Madonna. Rachel she's blasphemous. Madonna. She's, you know, can be raunchy. She's all these things. I chose to see the positives in Madonna. And she was very Catholic forward, <laughs> if you will. She wore Catholic. She, she loved the imagery um, and sort of like... Everything about c- Catholic art and imagery, and I always appreciate that. Um, I think that um, also she was one of the first artists, pop artists, to really embrace Hispanic culture. So if you look at, if you listen to her songs, if you listen, watch her videos, um, so many of them um, are take either take place in the barrios, or, uh, uh, Hispanic barrios of New York City or wherever. Um, she also, you know, has La Isla Bonita. She does things in the in, in the in the Caribbean. I mean, she's just really. If you loved, I mean, thank you, Madonna. Um, she was the one that sort of started this whole Hispanic pop culture thing, which you know, she loved our culture. Um, she loved our men. She she had her first child with a Cuban American. Okay. And um, anyway, okay. that okay. said, all that said, um, Move uh, on. here's what's interesting about her. Yeah. She became a multi multi millionaire because she is the the most I think the most amazing, you know, pop icon um, of her generation. Uh, and then she, with all her money, she started all this like health and fitness and she was like macrobiotic and working out all the time and she looked amazing. And then something happened to Madonna. What happened? Age. And oh. she be- now has now become a lesson in not aging gracefully um, because... Uh, it, where she could have done all this health stuff to stay healthy and, and age gracefully and teach all women how to age gracefully. She decided to go into fillers and um, I don't know what the heck she's done to her face, but recently she posted, and for those of you who are watching us, we're going to put the picture up for you right now. She posted a picture of herself without any makeup or Instagram filters. It is one of the most shocking pictures I've ever seen. It doesn't look anything like her. It doesn't look anything like what she looked like in the past. It doesn't look like the filtered, makeup um, Madonna. And I first want to say congratulations to the makeup artist. I mean, the makeup artist who did this, who make her look so good with makeup, uh, uh, I think the filters are part of it too. But it's just... I, I just, I got so sad seeing it. So, I'm just going to be honest, so, I felt sad. So background story. So I was actually about to do the bottom line. I'm looking for the, the final news stories before we start. And I see this story about Madonna. And I know my wife loves Madonna and is, talks about her picture without filters or makeup. So I pull it up and I was shocked. I was like, wow, this is looking at Madonna, it's right? It's scary, actually. So as we were about to do this podcast, I'm like, did you see the picture of Madonna? And she's like, no, what, where, why? And then I'm like, oh, Rachel's all into it and pulled it up. And if you're is, listening right now, just Google it. Yes, just Google that it. is why we are talking about Madonna, because she was as shocked as I was about what she looked like. Now, Vita, have you seen the picture of what Madonna looks like? Have you seen this? I, I have seen the picture. What are your thoughts as a young woman? She's what now? See, by the you way, know, she's 65. Let's be fair about things. Yeah, I don't I, I don't have a problem. I, 
I, I'm not against women saying, you know, I'm going to I'm going to get Botox Me or either. some fillers or in moderation as they get older. I'm not somebody who's like they can't do anything whatsoever. But um, this seems to be excessive to the point of where it it looks really bad. And it's the same with Cher. Actually, if you look at her pictures, they look very similar. Who? Um, it almost Cher. Looks oh. Cher. It almost doesn't look human to me. Um, right. And and I think that there is there is beauty in embracing your age and embracing life. And okay, I'm sorry, like, I always go macro with all of these things. No, but go for it. Makes, it. it makes me me think of uh, of Elon Musk um, and and his business um, with you know trying to to basically cheat death. Um, to cheat the cycle of life. We do that all the time in our culture, right? We see that with even even with IVF, which has, you know, can sometimes help couples conceive, but also sometimes leads to other horrible consequences um, too. If you, you know, conceive too many children, right? Sometimes they abort multiple of them. The point is that I think cheating God and cheating life is not natural and it's not beautiful and it often leads to a lot of a lot of problems and we're seeing that in in society at large right a godless society can't, fears death fears aging um fears fears natural cycles and so um and and cheating it is is really never the answer and we i think her face is a is the best indication of 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 wanting to 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 go through things naturally um i don't know yeah, that's so, just sort of my back so i look at, I look at this yeah. and when such a good when analysis you're when you're young you're it's easy to be in better shape it's easier to have you know no wrinkles cuz you don't have wrinkles like it's like being young is great and as you get a little bit older and you go hey listen i want to keep my health but i also want to look halfway decent you actually have to work at it. You have to, you know, work out. You have to try to she eat is, better. Though. Oh, I'm not, this is, can I make my point though? Yes, yeah, I'm sorry. I, I, I heard I'm sorry, a 10 minute diatribe about her. So let me go. So all those things are, are challenging. And you're right, she does a lot of those things. She yeah, does eat very well. She's giving her credit. I know you are. I know. Um, but what this tells me is, and I agree with your point of view, there's something about trying to age gracefully. And you can try to hold on to your youth and you can work out and you can. Put creams on your face and your neck and your mm-hmm. back and whatever they, whatever you do, whatever we do to mm-hmm. try to make your skin look mm-hmm. good. You can do all those things, but buy into the idea that I'm going to age and I'm not going to look like I was, you know, 25 anymore. And I think what this shows from Madonna is what she cares about in life. What her premium is is mm-hmm. how I look. Mm-hmm. It's not about what's in my heart. It's not about the family that I've built. It's not that, as you yeah. always mentioned, Rachel, this is a this is a way station, right? Um, we're on our way to go somewhere else, and that's the home. most. This, mm-hmm. this is the most important thing that we do here is try to get to our final home, and this, those are a lot of things to think about as as we age, and you have maybe a little more time and a little more wisdom to go through that thought process. And if you're stuck on how you look, you are missing the boat. If that's the one thing that you have to get Amen. right in your life, you are lost, and I, so to Madonna, I'm like, you are not a beacon of, you know, an example of what we should we should strive for. We should all strive to look good, but we should strive for these it's other. It's easy things for a man to say. Old. Yeah, it is a little easier for a man to say. I agree with that. I agree with that. I agree with that. Women, please. It is please true. We are much more judged by our but, but 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 Sean, you make such a great point. We'll have more of this conversation after this. A couple of little things I want to say. So first. Um, I love the Oscar Wilde quote, youth is wasted on the young. Um, It's so true. Uh, You know, if you're young right now, and I tell young girls all the time this, um, if, you know, when I've seen some of our daughters sometimes complain about this or that, I'm like, listen, love it. It doesn't get any better. Embrace your beauty. You're beautiful. You're never going to look better. Um, So youth is wasted on the young. And by the time you figure that out, you know, you're starting to, to age. So that's the first thing. Second thing, on a very, very superficial level, advice to women, um, take care of your neck. It's the first thing to go. <laughs> so if you're going to invest in any creams, um, neck cream. Um, so that's, that's one little piece of advice for you. Uh, but on the macro scale, as Evita says, I look at Madonna and I feel sad. And I feel sad because um, so much of what Madonna says, if you go through her Instagram, and I have, um, she talks so not. much. I know you have I not. Know. Um, she talks so much about empowerment and girl power, and she's so focused on 
the superficial meaning of that. And when you look at what she's done to her, her face, it you're you're so right, Sean. She has missed the boat. She has missed the, the entire purpose, purpose and meaning of life. And and she is um, focused on this superficiality. There's a certain freedom that actually comes with aging uh, when you can let that go. Vita, you know, you say it's easy for you to say if you're a man, you know, don't worry about your beauty. You know, the younger you are, um, your beauty has some capital in it. And and let's be, you know, fully honest about that. You know, it, it, it can, it, you know, it's, it's something that, you, you know, will determine who you end up marrying and, and all kinds of things that can happen from that. The most wonderful thing about um, getting older is that you can let go of some of the, that stuff. And, um, and I, think, I think that's where she's missed the boat. And so when I saw that picture, it was, it was both shocking, but it made me very, very sad. Um, last thoughts, Evita, on that before we, we're gonna hit one more, one one more topic. topic. One more topic that is actually related to this. Last thoughts on Madonna. Uh, I'll just say it's, this is also probably something easy to say for a woman who doesn't look like she's aged at all. <laughs> you look at your pictures oh. of you, mom, and then pictures of people that are well, your own age, and it's incomparable. So, Wow, that's very so nice. I I, it's very, you know, good lighting, good makeup is also helpful. I'm not going to lie. I've, I've, I've had a little Botox here, so, you know, it happens. Um, but I will say that um, being happy um, feeling good about your life choices, which is why I always tell, tell young women, you know, put, you know, think about your family, your love life and your family, what you want your life to be, uh, moving forward. Um, there's a lot of people that told me at younger ages, when I was raising you, when you were little, that I was throwing my life away. And, um, I, I'm really glad I didn't listen to those voices. So many of them were feminist voices. One of them was Barbara Walters herself, um, you know, and I have no regrets. And um, I'm so happy for um, how things turned out. And I think, I think happiness, and as you said, Sean, understanding that this is not our home, that there's another place we're going to um, brings a lot of perspective to aging. And I'm so glad you brought that point up. Can I make one last clarifying sure. point? Sure. Well, you so, want to talk about Madonna Moore? No, I don't. But I, but I, I don't, I don't, I don't <laughs> want to be misread. So happy. I do think that we should all try to... Take care of ourselves. Can, yeah, take 100%. care of ourselves and eat well and, and try to... You know, not get fat and, and try to like, we, we, we try to do all these things. Yeah. Um, but again, always recognizing that there's a balance. We're going to get older. We're going to wrinkle. We're, we're not going to have as much muscle. And that's okay. All those things are okay. It's part of life. Um, and mm -hmm. to, to, to not hold on to your youth with just such a tight fist, you won't let some of that go. So there, but there's nothing worse than, you know, when you go to the grocery store, you see those women who are dressing and 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 doing their their hair and makeup as if they were like th three decades younger. I mean, it's yeah. just it's just not attractive. There is beauty in aging. Embrace it. If you don't know how to age, you know, gracefully with your wardrobe and so forth. The internet that, that's one of the positive things the internet's available for. There's tons of help there, um, but aging gracefully and being age appropriate. Um, is is a is a beautiful thing, and um, I wouldn't trade one of these wrinkles uh, for any one of those kids, Sean. All right, or these gray hairs. Or these gray hairs. Like, there's not one gray hair. There's a lot, but okay. Okay. I so we have one last topic okay, because Evita wrote a fantastic piece. Oh yes. In the Federalist, um, Evita, what's the title of the piece? I want to make sure I get it right. Oh, this this World Health Day, or I think it's this World Mental Health Day. Go for a run. Right, because October 10th is World Health Day, and a lot of celebrities took the opportunity because, you know, mental health is kind of a, a fashion, you know, it's kind of a trend. Um, it's fashionable to be, you know, we all have mental health piping problems. in. And, you know, the, the, the king and queen of this, of course, is Harry, Prince Harry and Meghan Markle, who have sort of made it their, really the centerpiece of their platform is mental health and, and just, you know, what victims they are and how much, um, you know, the royal family has, you know, contributed to their mental health decline, whatever, whatever, whatever. Um, but lots of people have used it, like celebrities like uh, Selena Gomez, you know, did a mental health post for Mental Health Day on October 10th. And, um, you know, she, she, she took the opportunity to also plug her beauty line while she was at. So you get the point, right? There's a commercialization around it and there's a platform around it. And but it turns out that there was a study very recently that came out that showed the effects of going for a run or a walk 
are better on your mental health than anxiety pills, which, you know, we live in this big pharma, you know, society where, you know, anytime you have a problem, they have a pill for it. Um, turns out that just as you said, Sean, being healthy, going for a run, taking care of yourself, that actually contributes to your mental health. So, Vita, what was the premise of your, um, your article? Yeah, I, I think it was more just common, common wisdom um, and, and, and everyday healthy habits are really what's going to help your mental health. And it's no, it's not, it's, it's completely true that we're in a mental health crisis. Gen Z is the most mentally ill generation to date. Um, we saw the, the rates of various, um, you know, mental disorders or problems skyrocket during COVID when everybody was in lockdown, um, not able to go to the gyms. So I think what, what I really was trying to highlight in the piece is that there's a pill for everything, right? And, yes. and all these people that are talking about mental health want to talk about it a lot. And your doctor wants to give you a lot of pills for it. But um, really, the, the thing that you should be turning to is, is common sense and what you eat, what you put in your body and how you move. Is, has a huge impact on your mental well-being. This is like proven fact, many studies. Everybody knows that that what you eat and how you exercise plays a big role um, into your mental health. The other thing that I think people don't talk about is, is faith um, and your family. We talk about the loneliness crisis. People don't have familial ties. Um, being having, having a community and con- human connection is a huge uh, it has a huge impact on your mental health. Having a faith community, right, that binds you together, that gives you purpose in your life, to guide you in your life, um, is so important for your mental health. If you don't have any sort of faith um, guiding you in your life, you, your your life becomes meaningless. And then you, you get into these massive existential crises. Um, things become pointless. I, I think that there's a lot of, of social norms uh, that we have normalized that are causing the mental health problem that all these people who claim to care about mental health are not talking about. So big pharma doesn't want to tell you to go to church and go for a run or um, have a family because then you married. don't buy their their pills yes. and make them rich. And the government who actually should look at these studies and say, you know what, America's taking too many pills, right? There's two we're, we're, we're over uh, medicating ourselves. We want to put out yes. some good advice on how you can address what your, what your actual or perceived mental health issues are. This is what the science says. Go for a run. Go to church. Make human connection. Because big government is partnered with big pharma. And I think it's so important to have, like, if you, Evita, highlight stories like this to go, listen, I, I think America's using mental health as a crutch. I can't find a boyfriend or girlfriend. Mm-hmm. I have mental health problems. I'm not able to advance my job. I got mental health problems. Like, uh, there's a mental health problem for everything out there. Um, and in the end, I'm sure some people do have mental health problems. But maybe but it's, it's a just small a loneliness fraction. problem. It's a small of- fraction of those who actually are saying they have mental health. And again, a healthy lifestyle. Go again, mental health. Go back to the 80s. Same thing. <laughs> Make connections. Go to church. Get a friend. Have a conversation. Call them. Don't text them. Go for coffee. You know. Instead of instead like of you should do a self help book, Sean. I you really have all the answers. Here. You know what? Honestly, you kind these, of do. These I, I love all your have answers. given a lot of yeah, lot the gov- of wisdom. They they have the government says give us some. We're going to take a lot more money money that we don't have from the next generation and do a bunch of government programs that we will lead to more surveillance. Will lead to more um, government intervention in your life. Will end up making you more lonely and more isolated. Ibina, really quick, before we go, I think it would be really interesting because I, you're young, you're, you wrote this article. What are your healthy lifestyle tips? Like, what, what do you actually do? Because you're a fairly healthy girl. Yeah, um, so I, first of all, I, I, I don't live next to my family, which is really unfortunate, but mom and I talk on the phone all the time. And I talk to dad on, on the phone and, all the and time. And we talk about moving closer together. Don't we? All the time. Yes, we do. We talk about that too. Um, I got married young. I'm not, you know, in this sort of rat race that a lot of, you know, mid twenty somethings find themselves in, where they're, you know, 
either partying really hard or, or, or desperately trying to find love. I focused on my love life young and I got married young and I'm really happy. Um, I also, I, I try to eat well. I eat really high in protein. I work out a lot and my husband and I work out a lot together. And I actually work out a lot with my cousin Maddie because um, we're training for the Berkey. So I think having a sort of community where we're doing healthy things together uh, is super important. What's the Berkey? I go to church on Sunday. For people who don't know. What? What's the Berkey for people oh, yeah, who don't know? Oh yeah, the Berkey is, is the longest cross-country ski race in America in Hayward, Wisconsin, which is dad's hometown. So we're trying to train for it. I've never cross country skied before. So we're, we're running for now. And the second the snow falls, we're going to get our skis out. Um, but I, I, I think what's, what's really, I, my, my last point about this that I, I feel like I need to mention is if you think any of this is a conspiracy and that big pharma is really on your side, I think COVID was the biggest indication yes. that it wasn't during COVID. We, we knew that, that being, that eating well, that exercising, that, that, that going outside and having a life was, would help people not, um, get sick from COVID, right? Especially elderly people who need that kind of human connection. And instead they put us in lockdown and they, they pushed this experimental vaccine on us, which made big pharma billions of dollars, which cost the American people a lot of money and also made a lot of people really lonely and really depressed. These are not policies that make, that indicate the government cares about our health or well-being. Um, it indicates that they care about partnerships with big pharma corporations and making money. And that's why when it, whenever they suggest any future problems um, in, the, in the name of this mental health crisis, because they're going to turn into a crisis, they always yeah. like to like to gain power over a crisis. Um, we know to be skeptical. So if you're if you're watching, uh, you look at Evita. I've seen pictures of her. Um, she doesn't look like she's as strong as an ox but she actually is. She lifts weights like you can't believe. Oh my God, I can't believe and how so, much she can lift. Just quickly, we, I was I'm like, I'm gonna start working out. And so I would, we was with Evita and her husband, Michael, and I started, you know, doing whatever I was. Because we get together in the summer yeah. at the cabin and we have a, so, we, we, the, the right. garage is turned into a gym. And so five, eventually after like 10 days of this, she's like, so do you want to do a real workout dad? Uh, I'm like, well, uh, so finally she put me on a number of different. The Evita and Michael workout plans. Yep. And I, and, and, and actually it's been really great. And I, and I did that for, for a year and a half, two years. Until, and you were in the best shape of your life since probably you were in your thirties doing lumberjacks. That's sports. right. I got fat and, you know, don't and eat the during Congress Congress. is not good for your health right. or your body fat. But then I started doing the Dan Bongino. BMI. The Dan Bongino has been a great workout. You and then that. I broke my shoulder. And then I have a real workout, so I'm going back to the congressman. Now, now he's looking like a congressman again. <laughs> but I'm going to get back to working out once my shoulder heals. But Evita, you, you do. You, you put a premium on, on working out and eating well. And um, it's smart to do that at a young age, uh, both you and Michael. So I'm super proud of you for doing the Berkey. Can I just say one really quick? When I first it's moved to Hayward, when I first moved to Hayward, um, I you know, thought, okay, I'm going to try and embrace northern Wisconsin, this Arizona girl. And Sean's mother, some people don't know, is an, I mean, she was an amazing athlete, the first woman to ever complete the World Lopet. Um, that means every single international cross-country marathon race. So course, yeah. one of them is in Hayward, but they're across the world, Japan and all kinds of places. And she's the first woman, she did it in her 40s, right? She was yep. in her 40s. Yep. And she completed all the races. She's first an incredible one. athlete. Um, and, I mean, it's like, mind-boggling how good of an athlete she is. And so when I got to Hayward, she was probably in her 60s then. And I said, you know, I'm going to embrace this. I'm going to I'm going to do the Berkey too. I'm going to do what, what Avita said. So Sean went and got me all this warm because he knows I hate being cold. He went and bought me and we were did not have a lot of money. No. Um, no but he money. went and bought me like Lipa, like all this warm stuff so I could do it. And then I got the skis and I and then I met my mother-in-law at the place where we were going to begin to train. And, you know, it takes a lot of work to get your, your clothes on and to get warm and to get your equipment and we get out there. And I did it. And I realized I hate this. I'm cold. It takes too long to get a workout in. Um, I was I was a spin biker even back then. You know, I still love doing my spin bike. So anyway. I did not have the patience or the stamina or the ability, um, despite having probably the best instructor I could have ever asked for in his mom. I had one day of cross country and I, 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 I gave up the skis, hung up the skis and decided that I was just going to 
in my bike. But so I'm gonna, proud gonna, of you for gonna, actually doing it. In well, the you're going to love it. It's going to be fun. Um, listen, Vita, thanks for joining us on the podcast. Always fun to do Ron, Ron Robbins stories, good conversations. I always wish I was back up in northern Wisconsin like you are right now. Maybe but you'll do the Berkey with her one of these nah, days when your shoulder heals. I'm beyond that. Yes. I'm, It'll I've, be great. I've never, but most of my siblings When, have, when is the Berkey my, again? It's the last weekend in February. February. Yeah. Yes. This like the whole northern Wisconsin gets packed with people. They all come in some big race. So, um, Avita, thank you for joining us, sharing your insights, commentary, and thoughts on uh, the topics that people might have missed with the massive news story that's going on with, with Israel and Hamas's terrorist attack. Uh, we appreciate it. You can follow uh, Avita where, Avita? Uh, Avita Duffy underscore one for Instagram and Twitter, or read my articles at thefederalist.com. You can find all our articles if you search your name at The Federalist. All great stuff. Uh, if you like a podcast, you can rate and review, subscribe. Wherever you get your podcasts, you can always find us at foxnewspodcast.com. You can listen ad-free with the Fox News Podcast Plus subscription on Apple Podcasts. And Amazon Prime members can listen to this show ad-free on the Amazon Music app. We really appreciate your subscription, so please push subscribe um, and you'll get alerts. And uh, it's great. Whenever your podcast drops. So listen, we appreciate it. Avita, thank you. Um, Rachel, thank you. Thank See you. you later. Thanks for indulging me in a lot of Madonna today. Madonna, gosh. We've been I tried on the last episode of Vita and he wouldn't let me go. Down. He shut down the Madonna conversation. She was dancing to her. But I brought her back. I brought her back. <laughs> All right. Everybody. Bye, Avita. Bye. Thanks, guys. Listen ad-free with a Fox News Podcast Plus subscription on Apple Podcasts. And Amazon Prime members can listen to the show ad-free on the Amazon Music app. This is Jimmy Fallon, inviting you to join me for Fox Across America, where we'll discuss every single one of the Democrats' dumb ideas. Just kidding. It's only a three-hour show. Listen live at noon Eastern or get the podcast at foxacrossamerica.com.